Hello and welcome to the Emotive Pixels Podcast, Season 3, Episode 5, Need for Speed Unbound. It's the 25th Need for Speed game. And our second one covered on the podcast. I am here today as Nate, your host, and I'm joined by... Craig. Welcome. Thank you. We are talking about this because I think we're both frustrated by the experience we had with it. Let's say frustrated in maybe different ways. You as the rage quit, unable to complete guy, and me as the like, what exactly is this need for speed? What are we doing here? So I figured we could talk about that, but I was curious as to, first, what your first racing game was. Oh, man, what a great question. Thank Um, you. The first one that I can recall just off the top of my head is Jet Moto. Oh, um, man. Which was, uh, yeah. A good answer. Yeah, PlayStation 1, like, futuristic, like, hover vehicle racing game. I think it came out in 96. Um, Something like that. Yeah, I think 1996. And, yeah, it was like a motorcycle racing game, sci-fi style. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the, the first racing game I played. What was yours? Um, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 on the PC back at my uncle's house where I just vividly remember the PC set up and I just like became attached to it all that weekend and then got it when I was at home. That is so much later. It's in 2002. Yeah, isn't that strange? I was 12. Yeah, that is strange. Yeah, I was I like, mean, I have a... We have to call out yours for being truly the appropriate ChatGPT generated <laughs> PlayStation fans answer. And we have to call mine out for being the like textbook late bloomers answer. Yeah. Like, why wasn't I playing racing games at six? There's also a looking back at Hot Pursuit 2, I feel like in the pantheon of Need for Speed games, you might have picked one of the most revealed. Hold on. Hold on. It was Need for Speed Hot Need for Speed 3 Hot Pursuit. Those are Wasn't different that 90, things. Yeah, those are very different. And I think yeah. Hot Pursuit is better than Hot Pursuit 2, although, you know, I see Hot Pursuit 2 is probably a more polished game. Yeah, Need for Speed 3, colon, Hot Pursuit. Please tell me that was... Oh, good, okay. Uh, so you're only that's 10. Still, I was 10. That's I mean, that's yeah. something. Uh, 10 um, feels like the right time to probably start playing a, a racing game. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's get into Need for Speed. I Are feel we like rank all twenty-five of them. Yes, that was the <laughs> opening segment and first hour of this podcast. <laughs> I have not played all twenty-five, but I would guess that I've played at least fifteen, probably twenty. Although, fuck, I bet a bunch. How many of these are mobile games? I wonder. So that was going to be my question when you pulled up uh, that there's twenty-five of them. Was that twenty-five like mainline entries, or are we going with like? Yeah, Need for Speed. Oh, I was afraid. Porsche you know, or whatever the fuck they put out. Well, Porsche Unleashed counts. I just don't want Fine. like a... Like... The random thing yeah. that was like on your Nokia back in the day? Yeah, that's what I was kind of... And remember there was a free-to-play mobile game, Need for Speed No Limits. Wow, oh, made by Fire Monkey Studios? I don't even... This history is insane. Jesus. <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, pretty crazy. One thing's for sure is it's mostly Canadian or British. I don't think an American developer's ever done it, right? Oh, man, what a great question. No, I don't think that's true. Wasn't... EA Canada, EA Black Box was also Burnaby. 
Slightly Mad okay. is London. Ghost yep. Games is Sweden. I, okay, all right. There was a third country in there. It was originally developed by Distinctive, which is based in Vancouver, BC. Okay. Yeah, all right. You might be, yeah. Wild. I. That is a new fact. I did not know that. Which connects to my music taste, because, no, yeah, none of these have particularly US-centric soundtracks, I guess, until this one. I mean, I guess I can't speak to the last, fuck, 10 games, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I would... Uh, Need for Speed Underground was incredibly... Yeah, uh, yeah that's prevalent a good point. ...with, like, American music. Um, yeah. Specifically, it does feel like a, I mean, I guess that lends some perspective. It does feel like occasionally they, like, turn their attention to U.S. culture, but it always feels like slightly outsider cases. Yeah, and I think it's an why. outsider gaze at what they think that street culture looks like in in the U.S. Yes, absolutely. Which I did dovetails very nicely into what this game tries to do. Yeah, I think I wanted to insert the quip of you still keep going at the end of ASAP Rocky's credit speech <laughs> to describe that Need for Speed just keeps going. <laughs> and this feels like sort of a shambling leap forward in some ways or shambling step forward in the Need for Speed games. Um, so I guess a good place to start would be kind of with the development history. Criterion Games was originally owned by Canon. Did you know this? Canon, like, like the, the camera manufacturer? Company? What? No. The, they were spun off it. They were spun off from Criterion Software, which is owned by Canon Incorporated. And yeah, and they got huh. bought by a bunch of other things happened, but I just I didn't know that fact. So I think most people know Criterion as the burnout developers. In 2014, they did Most Wanted, and Alex Ward left the studio after that to found his own studio. And kind of after that, it's been sort of a nebulous gray zone of like, what the heck's going on with Criterion? Some bullet points are, in 2015, there were rumors abounding that Nintendo Europe had approached them for an F-Zero game. They did Battlefield V's Battle Royale mode, which was considered a failure at launch. They were announced in 2020 as the next Need for Speed developers, but that was put on hold for Battlefield V's vehicular gameplay. And then they were merged with Codemasters Cheshire in May of 2022, and that's when it was formally announced again that they were doing the Need for Speed and that they'd been working together for a while. And then I guess now that we're a couple months post-launch, five key employees left pretty shortly after this game came out, including a vice president, a technical director, a head of studio development, head of content and executive producer and EA moved a director from the UFC series over to this project as well as someone from Codemasters I I guess the open question is kind of like what is how are Codemasters and Criterion going to coexist as EA Studios is Criterion going to continue being a support thing or are they going to merge into like one super racing studios yeah seems like kind of an interesting history Sort of an well, EA support studio for a while, and now they're kind of back to speed, sort of? I mean, it's interesting, at least, that they, yeah, they, for a long time there, over the last, I don't know, half decade, um, if not, I guess, longer, Almost really, since decade, Alex, yeah. yeah, I was like, since Alex Ward left, they've really been a company that's bounced around and has never had any uh, specific thing. I think they also um, were pretty instrumental in working on the Star Wars Squadrons. Um, okay the like flight Star Wars game, flight combat game. Um and then obviously the studio's just gone through so many different shakeups as far as the people are there. It's interesting that they did come back to racing and choose to make this the primary studio working on it, right? And 
shifting yeah. developers and people there. It does make me curious if after EA purchased Criterion and the, you know, I guess menage like of studios that Criterion owned and talent that's in the UK, if some of those people have just been shifted around or moved around into Criterion um, as they've been determining like what their racing portfolio looks like as they move forward. Yeah, I think there's a lot of very open questions there. Hopefully, hopefully they still like. I just don't know how big they, how big EA would think the market even is for racing games. Well, that gets into the direct release of this as well, right? Um, it was yeah. announced in October of 2022. It released in November of 2022. <laughs> it was With not like barely sort of a Titanfall treatment, right? A little bit. At least they didn't sabotage it by releasing like a Criterion AAA racing, or not Criterion, uh, sorry, Codemasters AAA racing game within a week or two of it like they did with Titanfall. Like they didn't sabotage it with another one of their own products. Um, But it clearly speaks to we have this thing and we want to put it out, but also let's not spend a ton of marketing budget. Let's see where it lands in the market which is a I guess it's like do you put the cat before the mouse or like what's the what's the executive pitch inside of EA of need for speed and putting this out and seeing if it's successful or not like how are, how are they measuring that is something I'm incredibly curious about I think we're going to get back to this a few different times in a few different areas but it does feel like this is them testing the waters yeah. try to identify both maybe what Need for Speed's going to be going forward, but also maybe identifying what Criterion's going to be going forward. Yeah. This think... feels like a very conservative games in a lot of ways. I think from the people that really enjoyed Heat, this has been acknowledged as kind of more the same, and that was seems to be received by the fan community as a good thing, which is very interesting considering the racing game fandom is hypercritical and bitchy, to say the least. <laughs> The, the uh, one thing I did see people bitch about was the difficulty, which I know we'll get into later, but there is, um, yeah, it is, it's very curious. Did you play Need for Speed Heat? Just a table set? I didn't. I mean, okay. I played the demo. I like did the EA play first hour and it oh, seemed got it. good, but I kind of was grumpy about like, oh, they didn't fix Need for Speed 2015, still feeling like a frostbite game. Okay. And I just kind of never got right back to it, but it did go on sale before Unbound's launch for $2 on Steam. So I now have it. <laughs> All right, sure. So um, I might go back to it, actually. People really like it, but I think what they liked was the day-night thing, which this game uses to pretty good effect. Yeah, I also that's... would say, like, it came out and it doesn't, like, it didn't seem, like, I have really mixed perceptions of the success of this game, because obviously it wasn't really marketed. It, right. I've heard it sold decently, I think, and they have a big update scheduled for March. The, it seems like the studio went on kind of break for December and January, and then they came back and announced, yeah, we have a big update coming in March. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. They're like, it sounds like they're finishing online play. I'm so used to these things being declared dead at launch that, like, that's cool, I guess. What, yeah, what's going to be included in that update? Uh. So they're adding, so I touched online briefly, just because I briefly t- toyed with getting all the achievements in this game. So it sounds like they're doing cop chases online which i was like okay that wasn't there nighttime free roam also surprising takeover events i feel like that's the like main event type defining the game and side bets which i feel like is also a key mechanic then there's more new cars and i guess people that played a lot of heat said that's really welcome because 
a lot of these cars were just reused from Heat, which is also like, why was this game received so well from such a bitchy fandom if all these things are true? Yeah, that's really curious. Okay. Um, I will be... I I honestly will say that I probably won't get back into the game in a couple of months I don't think when I that release, but I am curious to... I'll obviously follow the news to see what is in that and what they decide to address. I think Need for Speed's, unlike other series I can think of, I don't know why that, there's kind of unnecessarily bitchy. Need for Speed's come out at a great pace where I feel like they come out, it feels to me like they come out like every four years or something. So it's like, usually by the time they come out, I'm like, yeah, I could go for another one of those. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So I guess a good thing to talk about next would be the gameplay. So I guess this is a Need for Speed game. It feels very similar to many Need for Speed games in the past. I I think that it basically plays out apparently a lot like Heat, where there's like it's composed of a day-night cycle where you spend some time racing in the day and then you spend some time racing at night. You build up cop heat from most events and from doing dangerous stuff in the world, and that cop heat persists from day into night and then is reset at the end of each night. The plot is kind of set out around a four-week competition where you're betrayed by someone you trust who steals your really good car that you start the game with, and you have to kind of work your way back up through each of the weeks that each end with a capstone event up until week the end of week three, I guess, or the end of week, week four. four. Yeah. Wherein you battle the person and you kind of reharmonize and reunite and kind of talk about things and the plot problem is solved. Um so that's kind of how things work. And I think people really liked that heat buildup and Need for Speed Heat, as the title would suggest. And I do feel like the game plays better than previous Need for Speeds, since it sounds like Criterion kind of lent their hand to some of the racing mechanics. But I feel like there's a lot of, like, things that feel sort of unfinished, I guess. Like, I don't even know. Yeah. Like, to, to me, it still feels like it has that problem that I think we kind of talked about in the podcast ages ago, where... It's hard to tell exactly when your car is going to like kind of shift between its grip mode and its drift mode. And yeah. that like e- even it even though you have that control of the slider in the game and if you upgrade your car enough you get pretty generous control of that. It doesn't seem to really like there's just times where you're like in the perfect drift for a curve in like a critical race with cops all around you and then somehow it like snaps out of drift mode and you're going the wrong way and it's just like okay. There's no rewind. You have to restart the event. Instant you only get four restarts. Yeah, yep. it's pretty much like, okay, that's that. Um, so I think that's like a problem that persists and might be just a handicap of using an engine not really built for this. I, I, it gets better, but it feels like it's approaching some asymptote. Yeah, I am curious about that specifically, right? With regards to Frostbite, which people have, you know, shit on for an eon, at least is what it feels like at this point. It's like, you built a bunch of racing games on this platform. Like the opportunity to change the engine or either add or remove or adjust different pieces of it. I'm like, there's at a certain point you would think that they would have come up with different compensating controls for that. Um, but if, if they haven't by now, then my faith in them being able to at any point in the future, still using the same engine is essentially removed after playing this. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I had this realization like on week three, set like 60% through the game, like, oh, if I'm in a grip car, the way to make it actually be able to be usable is to actually break like other racing games. And it's this game is like has such a weird engine that it took me until like 
60% through the game to remember how to play like a normal racing game and to treat <laughs> it like that, which I think says something. Well, it also, it, one of the things that I think I was noticing was around the drift mechanics, which I totally agree with you that the knowing when the weight of the vehicle will shift away from you is yeah. just not telegraphed very well within the game. And uh, separate from that, there's a focus with different vehicles to have drift be a primary method of moving through corners, and yet it always feels as if you leave the corner slower and are almost punished in some ways for an excellent drift. Um, it's something that I started to notice more, and maybe it's more just within late-game content, but that was definitely a, a moment where I was like, oh, if I'm drifting through these corners and taking like a wide sweep around it, and then hitting the boost that you get from that versus seeing some of the AI that just like grip turn through the corner, they just just destroy. And it's like, oh, okay, well, great. Our drift car is not meant to be the ones that you should be using for racing, and you should only use grip for racing and drift for the events. Questions yeah. that 10 hours in I couldn't answer. Yeah, and I do feel like some of this comes down to, like, it does an admirable job trying to do the Forza thing of having cars fall into, like, number-bracketed rating systems. Yeah. But I don't know if it's, like, quite good enough at nailing exactly what that means in practice for, like, uh, you maxing out one car's rating in a given category to mean you can actually, like... Like, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to dominate that category. And I guess right. maybe that's cool, but it, like... The, <laughs> the point of the game is to win at some point. I, yeah, can I, I, can I yeah. roll it back based on that description to the beginning of the game? Yeah, absolutely. So my experience with the start of the game was a racing game that wasn't afraid to make you lose and yeah. still reward you for it. And I was like, that's actually kind of fresh. Like there's not been a racing game in at least the last probably five or ten years that I played. I, I actually can't think of one, period, where losing felt good at the start of the game, right? I was like, okay, like, I'm still progressing. I don't have as good a car as everyone else. Like, I'm placing in the top six or something of that nature. Like, this is a cool way to show, hey, when you start the game, you're not the hottest All shit powerful. on the line, right? Yeah. Um, And I was excited to see where that would go and where it went I was not excited about <laughs> Tell me more, because you're right, it did start cool, and I guess I had the, for me, it was like I had the expectation that I would be dominating by the end. Yeah. I, and and I, I think- I guess maybe it's because the entry costs got so high at the end that, like, not winning became a real trouble. I think that's part of it. I think one of the things that I noticed most specifically was around, um, as you're going through that progression, and to your point, there is numbers attached to the cars, and you're seeing those go up. You're you're seeing your numbers now be a higher tier- than all other cars that you're racing against, and then you still get decimated. And it's in those moments where it starts to make you feel like, oh, okay, I'm. It doesn't I've actually even matter a little what, bit. Yeah, what car I have, or that I've upgraded it to be the top of the B tier, A tier, S tier, whatever tier you're at. I'm still essentially going to be forced into some sort of either stack ranking, or I'm going to end up coming in a lower place because the AI is going to be rubber banded to such a degree or there's some other weird shit that happens with like if an AI crashes it can teleport and start ahead of you after it re 
like spawns onto the track, right? And it's like, oh, neat. Glad that when they fuck up, there's no uh, punishment. They actually get like an enhancement and move further away from you on the track versus if you mess up, it's essentially a, a game over in most races. I'm interested in how uh, even watching your attempts at the end game, like your situation was much more uh, <laughs> like <laughs> precarious <laughs> than mine was. So I, it's almost like I got lucky and picked a good car. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's so many things that are like uh, a, a uh, Schrodinger's box of cool versus not cool so like yeah because money is so conservatively earned buying cars is like extremely risky kind of yep. just like it would be in real life you don't really know what things are going to end up like which is cool and that's really neat yeah but i'm big the downside fan of that. is you can like dump all your money in order to get something up to a level that you're at wherever you are in the game you need to dump almost all your money into it even in like week two or three which is kind of wild yeah well and so i got hang on yeah before you move on on that in real life, you get to test drive cars. In this, it's just a wild fucking swing of, yeah, that looks cool or has some number that is appealing to you. You have no idea how the car feels to drive, accelerate, any of those things before you spend pretty much most or all of the money you've earned. Yeah, and it's very strange because, like, the, uh, the upgrade, like, I would get it if the cars are really expensive, but the upgrades weren't too expensive, but, like, the upgrades right. are what really wipes your bank account. Yep. So, like, in theory, the game design answers this by letting cars be infinitely customizable, but fuck if I know, like, I would love to have tried swapping in engines and stuff right. to, like, see if I could really move a car around in its feeling, but it doesn't really, it's not actually how it functions in the game. And to your point on the engine upgrades, I didn't even realize there was engine upgrades separate from all the part upgrades. And I was like, oh, great. All right, I'll spend most of my money and upgrade the engine. And then I didn't realize that would reset Does all reset of the, the other upgrades. And See, so I didn't do that just because like, I suspected that was going to happen. That's, that's exactly wild. what happens. Yeah, so then you drop 100K on a new engine and you have no money and you can't upgrade the engine at all. So your old engine's actually still better off. It's like, So you're neat. supposed to just be able to keep racing longer and longer each night. But the problem with that is the heat is so oppressive that yep. it by the week four, it's just like do one event, move to the next section of the day just to like advance. Because like a single race would boost your heat by like 2.5 flame icons. So yep. it's like that doesn't really actually work out that way. And so I mean, I, yeah. That, I guess that gets into the banking mechanic of the the money as well, right? Like yeah, carrying you need over to have the a minimum big threshold at the end of each week to pay into an event. Yeah. Which I really respect on the face of it. Like, that's really cool. Like, all of this works so hard to be the anti-Forza Horizon, Forza Horizon, yeah. which is really neat. And I don't think you could half-ass that. If you mess any one of these things up, you're kind of squarely back in the camp of, like, infinite reward. Kind of like every other racing game I feel like ever made, where, like, as soon as you get past the intro stage, the world's your oyster. But True. Not even to mention things like a Gran Turismo where the collection is the point of the game. So, right. like... What makes this game unique is that it's not that way, and I like it, but it does kind of make it luck of the draw whether you get a car that you can work with or not. I think that's the ultimate balance here, right, is the risk versus reward is ultimately what they're playing with in the attention of literally every aspect of the game, whether it's the risk of choosing to uh, spend your money on an upgrade and see if the reward of that is that it actually makes you meaningful better, the risk of banking enough money, the risk of not having enough when you get to the end of the week and needing to try and like replay the final day to 
get that budget up. Um, the the biggest piece here for me that continues to come back is like the actual events in racing um, against the opponents never feels like any of the risks and rewards that you're doing outside of the system to enhance your vehicle meaningfully pay off in any of the actual racing. And that is like the ultimate failure of the game in my perspective. As in none of your upgrades made any meaningful difference? As Correct. in like you could spend a good amount on an upgrade, get yourself to the top of the class and still lose and you weren't really sure? Yeah, and you and there was like, there wasn't really an idea. And one of the places that I think... um that came up most frequently is the speed matching of either the when your heat level is up and you're against cops or just within the races where it's like you'll be neck and neck with someone and you you know get your moment you're like all right i'm gonna hit my nos like this is gonna be great i'm gonna zoom past them and you hit your nos and you're holding it and their car goes exactly the same speed as you as you're nosing next to them and it's like uh, yeah that is a real thing like yeah what is it like okay, like the thing that's supposed to be like my extra boost to like push me across the finish line has literally no impact within the game because it just keeps the opponent so close to you um, that it's like, all right, would that have happened probably if I didn't even bother upgrading the the NOS system or whatever other mechanic, right? Like that's one specific example, but it's something that I think is emblematic of the approach um, seen across upgrades and the actual in-game event. I think that makes sense. I, I think it's a good time for me to interject and say, like, I came away from this game moderately impressed. I, I would say it's like a 8 out of 10 or 7.5 out of 10 for me. So, like, sure. we haven't really had a lot of time to, like... I've played so many of these things that the the flaws in how it executes trying to be the anti-Forza Horizon, like, don't outweigh the fact that it's trying so hard, and I really think that's really interesting... When you say it's, the anti-Forza Horizon, are you referencing that Forza Horizon has become, like, the most power fantasy, essentially, of racing games? Yeah, it's just like, uh, are you not having a good time? Here's seven cars. Are you okay. not having fun? Upgrades are $2. Have try that. Why don't you make it more drifty? Why don't you make it, like, it's just uh-huh. so enthusiastic, which is really cool, and I think a part of why so many people start that game. Yeah. But it makes those games really hard to finish because it's just like, yeah, I've gotten, like, 20% of the way through the game so I have the best cars like that's a real design problem that I don't think they're going to be able to I mean who knows what happens in 6 but they haven't worked their way out of that since 2 and I think it's key to their popularity and it's like a real easy to reach for that lever when you're making these games to try to give people um, kind of their memories of what 90s racing games often used to be which was like here's the toy box you go have fun now but that makes progression really hard to be meaningful. So thanks to like getting lucky, I, I picked the, uh, when I, one of the nights I got a Polestar 1 f- as a reward from one of the events, which also it's wild that it, just how much you have to pay into those events. Like it was interesting. There were like, I think at least two of the like free car races I like didn't even do because it wasn't worth paying into for a car I didn't want, which was also kind of cool. I learned to drive that thing well enough that I felt pretty proficient at the game, and I wasn't sure if I was going to win the final races, but I ended up actually getting lucky on the final one, which was pretty close. So the balance all worked oh, out really well for me. Um, that... And I, it, it, like, my beef with the final week was just that the heat was such a big problem. Like, five stars is a really big issue. 
that is one other aspect of man i'm i'm with you like i'm so conflicted on this game because there's so many really interesting swings that it's taking in so many different directions and it feels like they were it feels like maybe they started to balance it when they announced the game was coming out it's like oh shit a month we're supposed to (laughs) in one month one month that's where you want us to be great all right um and it just like in so many different aspects of the game it feels like that push and pull if if more nuanced there could have been something really like really spectacular there um which is like kind of disappointing especially i think in the final week also for me it was like i was just like acing all the races and i was like oh power fantasy i was like yeah this feels good and then in the final uh races you saw and mentioned earlier right like uh within the first 18 seconds of the race i'm usually far enough behind that it's impossible to catch um unless some accident or something happens to to the driver in front of me it's interesting yeah the final week was kind of tough for me lyric the same person that was beating you was really giving me trouble on a lot of the races and i came in second at some of them even so i was kind of prepared for the end to be about the same were you not using s plus cars all of week four I don't think so because oh. I I was moving back and forth. I was trying to get enough money because I needed $200,000 for the buy-in. And then I had upgraded the S-plus car that I had with every single available top upgrade that I could. Yeah. Except I had to upgrade my garage to the, the highest level. And the upgrade to the garage is like $150,000. So I didn't have enough money to be able to upgrade the garage and then add upgraded parts to my vehicle. And I also didn't have enough money to buy a new vehicle that had a higher starting area. Yeah, you sort of were screwed. Yeah, you just end up like... I I could have tried to min-max every single night and, you know, like, tried to scrape together as much money as possible, but the heat system is oppressive. It, yeah, it makes it, un- like, I was like, well, that's not going to be enjoyable either. Because um, in a similar push-pull mechanic, the heat system is also fairly obtuse for being able, like, are you going to escape or something? Because it, it gives you, like, some hints, right, of, hey, if these types of cars are chasing you, go off-road, or if these ones go on the road, or take them down, or whatever. I never found that to meaningfully change my way of getting away from some people, and sometimes it felt uh, as if they were rubber banded around you as well in that capacity. Oh, like, yeah. I would just keep going in random circles and hope that they like, hit a wall or something. Absolutely. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I found top speed to be like the only thing that was reputable. I would just get to a highway and race as fast as I could and, and kind of like weave in front of oncoming cars to get them to be head down, uh, taken head on. I yeah the that's the pretty good. stuff was pretty crazy. <laughs> I like that's what a strategy, and the ability to equip like the thing that makes you twice as likely to get spotted or half as likely is really helpful. But those were really yeah. pricey too. Yep. Again, um, uh, like yeah, all these things feel like if you if shift the numbers that are governing so many of these different aspects of the game um, in some direction, I'm sure that like. This is way more complicated, and most of the time when you talk to game designers or developers, right, they're talking about 
the thing that you think you should change, like the knob that you should change, is usually not the one that's actually going to shift the experience. Absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, I think that would have probably doubled the development time to like bring this to the final 20%. Which does make it, I mean, that peers back towards both Horizon and uh, EA's expectations for the game. It's like, right. at a certain point, are they just recognizing like, ah, oh, good's good enough and pushing to that Let's extra level buy it. yeah is not not worth our time and energy where the horizon games have ended up being game of the year conversations notably well, this was not that i i would push back on that slightly by saying that really what that means is there was a lot of development time invested between forza horizon one and two because two set the formula that all the games still use so sure for, i'm sh- sure this is minimizing it but i would say a tremendous amount of the like inter-game time development energy is on assets. True. That, yeah. Although Need for Speed Heat came out in 2019, so there's a three-year gap there, and without playing Heat, like, how substantial of an upgrade is unbound compared to where Heat was at from either a visual or uh, models or any of those perspectives, right? (laughs) It's like only an upgrade when you consider the, the like, scope of the development team during that time. Like, yeah, to okay, get a parity fair. is pretty impressive, I feel like. I mean, I don't yeah. really know, but that's kind of my thought there. This team seems like it's been pretty battered during that time, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I and, guess. And that's yeah. why it, it really feels like kind of a level set. Like, keep the keep the meter going. I, I forget where I heard this, but someone was like, this is the conservative breakpoint entry. And the next Need for Speed is probably going to move much further out to some direction. We're not sure what. And it was hard to shake that thought when playing this game. I I could see that as well. And there is something about this game um, at a broader perspective, separate from the gameplay and mechanics, is it's relatively small in scope as well, right? Like the, yeah. uh, the city and play area that you're within is pretty small. There's some collectibles and random things scattered throughout. There's not a ton of variety there. And then on the other side of that, you have most, like, even within the four weeks that you play the racing events, you're playing a total, if you just played one per day, right, that's 14 per week, whatever it ends up being, um, you're looking at, like, you know, the 64 or whatever events that you play through. Like, most of them, you replay a lot of the same uh, races, which is something yeah, that, I, yeah, like it's not like when you're looking at that number, like sixty, you're not gonna have sixty individual tracks. But it is interesting when thinking about a, I don't know, uh, go out to to Burnout Paradise or something, right? Like also a city, but just the way that they used the point to points within those cities to have a bunch of unique ways to get through the city, as opposed to using like literally the same uh, routes repeatedly well, the, or repetitively. Uh, a counterpoint to that for me is like this did not I think this again it's kind of like a mid uh, let me clarify middle. that wasn't a like I'm not discrediting the game it's just an interesting observation of yeah resource utilization for the game yeah and I think it felt really good to like if you think back to like a midnight club like I remember playing those oh, games man. and it like really pushes your cognitive capacity of understanding and parsing what's coming up I mean maybe that's just because I was a teenager when I played it but like 
This game's very easy to read. The problem is just the actual mechanics of the racing, which is a pretty bad place for there to be a problem, I guess. But, like, I, I would say I appreciated that. And maybe that came from the low level of variety, or maybe they just made pretty conservative choices about what routes through this world were actually readable. This is the most generic Chicago I've ever raced in, though, I feel like. <laughs> Like, uh, I didn't even think about it being Chicago until you're like, oh, it's Chicago. You didn't even tell me that. And I was like, fuck, I didn't tell him that. Why? And then I was like, probably because it doesn't feel very it, interesting. It's it's absolutely the, again, back to your uh, conversation about, like, where are the developers? It's like the developers saw a few photos that came out of um, an AI algorithm, and they're like, oh, MidJourney thinks that Chicago looks like this. And it's like, Yeah, well, exactly. It's not even that interesting, though, but it, it definitely is like, all right, we're going to take uh, inspiration from a few of the architectural landmarks, not even the main ones, but a couple of them, and plop them in so it gives you something to kind of ground against. But the more I played of it, the less Chicago I felt. I was like, yeah, I yeah. guess there's an elevated train line through the city. Like, neat. I assume those like that underground road section with roads on top of it also is like a Chicago thing. Is that I haven't been to no. Chicago, but you know what I'm talking about? Oh, okay. I know exactly what you're talking about, but yeah, it's not. I, I feel not, like I've seen that in other games. It's not a major part of the city by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. I I don't I don't it's hard to discuss this game without like seeming so harsh. Like I had a good time with it. I didn't end up completioning it because I was frustrated that when you beat the game, the collectibles don't all just show up on your map to go around and mindlessly fine. Yeah. I I had a good time. I I guess we haven't talked about the visual style, which I definitely got me in the door. So that's really what I was cool. going to say. Like, let's... Separate from the gameplay, I think there's, like, so much there to your point. I don't want to come off overly negative because it's interesting, but, like, let's oscillate into the areas that were, like, oh, this is... This is cool because there is a lot of cool things happening here. Like this, I I don't think this. Yeah. I don't want this to be a let's shit on Unbound, <laughs> right? Our conversation. I think so, the visual style is really cool. It catches you with it's kind of if you haven't seen the trailers, it's like, uh, like anime. It's like flat cell shaded characters in a realistic world is for like the the character style. Yep, and for like the race when you're racing there's like vector effects that come off your car kind of cartoonishly like when you're going through the air or when you're using boost your taillights like flow behind you like uh long exposure photography these are all really cool and they catch your attention but when you play the game they end up feeling just also kind of conservative like it it's hard to like there are moments where that actually helps the gameplay you can tell when your opponents are boosting there's a few like Drifting is pretty iconic. You can see what other people are drifting, which is like useful and uh, legible. But did you end up feeling like you kind of wanted more of that by the end? Yeah. I, in a similar way of this being a trial for different activities uh, to see where they want to take the game, I was like, can we like quadruple down on this? Yeah. Um, because at the beginning, it's one of those other things where it introduces some of these, the smoke mechanics and the different things that you can um, put on your car. And then almost immediately it under like mines it by giving you a bunch of unlocks of it. And then you see, you're like, oh, these are just different colors. Like there's nothing else that it's really even doing yeah. with this from that perspective. And the collecting street art felt very like all of the street art is actually really cool. That's splattered around the city that you're going and picking up, but isn't meaningfully like shifting anything else. And I'm like, how can we, 
merge these different or disparate worlds together because all of the flourishes are what gives it the personality. Um, and I, I don't know. I just wanted more of it. I wish yeah, I had a better like the, way to the, like add critique there. It felt like the gameplay art team was like in one house and the world art team was in another house and they didn't really talk to each other until the end. That's a Which, great way to describe me. Yeah. Like, I, I think that was also the pitch, realistic world, artful, like, effects. But it's hard not to, like, see that halfway through the development, you would have been like, what if the buildings also had some of the same effects in a way that didn't, like, diminish the legibility of the way the effects are used in gameplay? There's right. just something more that could happen here. This world felt, like, procedural. Yeah, I think the, to your point of the, yeah, how do you add visual flair without making the game unreadable when you're trying to encourage people to go a hundred and some miles per hour, like careening down a road, right? You you still have to make sure that people can see what's happening, but yeah, yeah, it felt like they, to your point, you had like copied and pasted like the style, and then like, oh, we need a world, like drop in generic placeholder world, and you're like, well, these things are somehow disconnected from one another maybe intentionally so also like hey let's show right. that there's like a style and a street and a culture happening here and the rest of the world is bland or whatever the fuck's going on with all the chat gpt conversation going on i couldn't help but thinking like this world would be really neat if it was just procedurally generated so like i would ex this level of quality would be great if it just kind of went on forever or something so yeah how would that actually when when you mentioned procedurals like how does that how does that function within a racing game where are you thinking like just every race is procedurally generated and the way the buildings are like decorated and put in the world or like what does that look like to you? Um, I guess my thought was like you would have like a world seed that totally that reshuffled the entire world and that could keep it going at the bounds. So like if you drove towards the edge of the world, there would just be more world. Oh, interesting. So it'd be it's much like more a prevalent in the art and world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess you'd have a bunch of problems with that you would need to make the race generator engine procedural as well. But I feel like some other series has done that. Um, also, I think Dirt Rally 2 is like has a fully procedural system where it can generate rally tracks procedurally. Is that the game I'm thinking of? Is it Dirt 5? It's one of the Dirt games. And it I definitely I think was, it was not Dirt 5. Okay. Um, there, there are, this has been done to apparently pretty good effect. Obviously a rally racing game is like a corridor thing, but like, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of, I'm just curious what games are like in 10 years, but yeah, racing games do feel, a, a racing game feels like a prime place for using that sort of procedural content though, right? Like you it do does. need to... You're not set expecting anything to fly by with too much like criticism, yeah. right? And it doesn't need to have too much criticism. And also on the other side, like you just need things to connect and have some level of constraints around like <laughs> yeah. the curvature of the roads, right? So that it's not just terrible of like here's a bunch of right angles and you're like, well, this feels awful to move through. Um then you could get to like making tracks really designed solvable. around your car. Yeah. I mean, that would be really neat. Um yeah, please put a pen in this, and then when we circle we'll back come in back 2033, and... we'll see where yeah, racing yeah. games are. Absolutely. I think the soundtrack also was, like, really cool. I think ASAP Rocky picked the stuff, right, which is 
By the way, ASAP Rocky is a prominent part of this game, at least in the marketing, but I'm not sure about actually in the game itself, but yeah, not we'll so get much. that in a minute. But um, I think he picked the soundtrack, right? I think that there was some component there, although it wasn't as... If he did curate the entire soundtrack, they didn't do the thing that... God, what was it, like NBA 2K something was like they had like Dr. Dre or Jay-Z come in and like curated and it was like a huge part of the marketing and it was on the box art. So if he did it, cool. I, yeah, I don't think he, uh, I don't remember it. It never was like in your face about it, but it definitely, it includes other people from like his label and includes his own music. And also it feels like it is part and parcel with the music that he would choose if, uh, if so. So that makes sense. Um, did you, within the music, how did you leave it within the game? Because by default, it does not play music all the time while you're driving around the open world. And I'm curious if you changed that setting or any of the other musical settings or used your own music. Um, for the first week, I left it default where it played it whenever it wanted to because I really was interested in kind of when it was choosing what kind of music during what events in the game. Okay. And then after week one, I turned off all the music altogether, which is... I liked this a lot more than any of the like street focus soundtracks from any of the previous Need for Speed games. So I like really enjoyed it, almost all of it. But yeah, eventually it became my podcast time game, which is kind of probably more of a testament to the game itself rather than the soundtrack. How about almost, you? Almost identical. I nice. um, originally was confused at why you kind of change tracks and then realized that once you set it, that music is always on, then you can change tracks, which is like a weird little setting. Wait, um, what do you mean once you set it? What's that? What do you mean once you set it? Like if by default music doesn't play at all the time while you're in the open world, yeah. you go into the settings and change it so music is always playing in the open That's world. That's when you're allowed to change tracks. Then you're yeah, allowed to click right on the D-pad and change the track at any point. I was like... Fascinating. What a weird... Again, another like little oddity of... I was like, okay. Um, but similar to you, after probably the first couple of hours, um, it felt like I'd experienced most of what the soundtrack had available, or if not all the tracks. It didn't seem expansive. I definitely saw a lot of replayed songs, so then I moved into either playing my own music through Spotify on the PS5, or... Um, I also listened to podcasts for probably an entire week of playing. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it kind of like the, um, I think the soundtrack and the, like, ASAP Rocky's inclusion in general and some of the plot beats that the the game hits on actually are a little, they're a little more out there than I would have expected from such a, like, giant global company. There's some, right. like, yeah. Yeah, let's fucking go. Um, <laughs> like there are definitely songs like you can, I don't even, I wrote down the lyric that I was just thinking about when I was watching you play where someone says, you can bet this pussy tastes like, and I don't even know what they said after that, but I was like, really? What is the rating of this game? And so, like, yeah, I true. I was, uh, yeah, this is, are we getting into our old man phase? I think we are. Cause that's what's happening because it's, it definitely is. I was like, I have no problem with the music. Let me be ex like very clear no, on like that it. one. But the, um, I'm just so, my mind, maybe it's from 10 years ago. It's like, I remember when movies were coming out or other games. And like, if you said the word fuck, like mature, like 
instantaneously right. almost, right? Or rated R, whatever it was, right? And now seeing uh, curse words show up on television much more frequently, um, and then also in games and other parts of media has been, it just feels buck wild every time it happens. I'm like, you can do this? Yeah, I agree. I don't even, I'm going to look up what the rating is. Let's see. Teen. It's unbound rating. I guarantee it's teen. Nope, not what I wanted. Uh, what is it? ESRB rating? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Teen. Teen. Wild. I, I don't know, man. I, I like it. It's cool. I I think, like, the plot or the inter- intercessional moments throughout the plot kind of happen. There's a lot of talk about equity, equality, um, different, like, identity and how different people are experiencing oppression there's a lot more of that than i expected and when i streamed this to some people on discord there were various reactions that mainly were either wow that's an interesting thing for them to be saying in a game or ah this feels like fucking an ubisoft game where they're like throwing that in there but it doesn't mean anything and it's all like watered down and i don't know if i have either one of those takes but it it seems related than the like this game is going a little further out there politically than I guess I thought EA games were allowed to go. The fact that there was any sort of political statement made almost immediately in the game was truly shocking to me. What, yeah, what kind of things are you thinking of? So almost, I I think there's two pieces that came up very quick, and I think you gave me a bit of a heads up on this. One was uh, one of the races within the game is like you get a phone call and it's like hey a racer's in trouble can you go pick him up and get him to their safe house right and then in those moments like those people are telling their stories of like hey the cops are fucking with me or they've been fucking with my family or there's some level of oppression or like I'm kind of essentially being targeted and the real quote unquote criminals or uh, like white collar criminals are just not affected by the police and yet they're out here trying to like harass us um and having that just like explicitly stated it wasn't even oh i think i can understand that this might be what they're hinting at it's just like no this is what's happening to me it was like i'm truly surprised to see in a triple a ish racing game that that just to be a part of it yeah, like LGBTQ characters talking about being like targeted by the cops more yeah. than non-LGBTQ people. Uh, it's just kind of interesting. The The mayoral race in the game is pretty like explicitly like about authoritarianism, but focused on street racing, which is something like Need for Speed has been doing for a while. But this is like much more clear. This isn't like tongue in cheek in any way. It's like the mayoral race is kind of like corrupt and characters are laughing and com- commenting on it, which is... I don't know. I, I, don't, I just don't know how I feel about it. It's kind of, it's really cool on the one hand, these are real things, but like, why? I, I wonder, I, I'm just curious about it. I think one of the places that caught me by surprise is like, even towards the end of the mayoral race as it's being presented and like the end of the week four or whatever, um, there's like a conversation happening either between the candidates or something of that nature and or they're playing one of the ads or something for one of them. And he's talking about like essentially how he like abuses women and oh man, gets away with it. And it's just like, um, 
He's like, I'm going to create spaces that are just for women to go and be. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, really? Like, we're just stating this in in this? And it it felt so, so direct of just, like, here is a very... Uh, it's. I wish it was even over the top, but instead it was like, nope, like, we're just going to try and take the f- furthest portion of, like, the conservative talk track, and we're just going to say that thing aloud. Um, and Which I don't think is bad. It's just I'm very much unaccustomed to seeing it so directly. Unle- unless it's being, like, played up or amplified for comedy or... I, I don't know. It's It's just... It's very interesting. It's definitely just to to your point. I never understood like why it was here, outside of it being like tying into a street racing culture, being like an underground culture, right, and like kind of oppressed. And to your point, like it's always been part of the series in some capacity. But to make such direct shots at it, it was a. I I have nothing against it, but it was just interesting that. In a world where it feels like every game that comes out and from Ubisoft or anyone else and has a political statement in it, and then you hear the developers come out and they're like, hey, we're not trying to make a political statement. (laughs) And then this comes out, and I didn't see a single Think Piece article, anything written about, like, hey, the Need for Speed game is, like, saying Saying some stuff. stuff. Yeah, very, like, very loudly also. Um, it, And maybe it's because it never... To me, it never crested a point where it like made its point. It just kind of, yeah, mimicked the real world in some capacity of like we're gonna put these things into it. There's our political things happening, and we're gonna either poke fun or things of that nature with kind of how terrifying and absurd some things were stated. But it never goes so far to be like this is bad. Okay, nor does it like. It doesn't fuck up any of the delivery of it either, which is kind of amazing. Like, I think it's all immaculately performed. Like, it seems... It's like all of the performances are very earnest, and the game seems to believe what it's saying, but you're right, it doesn't ever just make that point that I'm expecting it to make, and I'm not sure why I'm expecting that or if I even need that. It's 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 almost, like, impressive that it doesn't, but it makes me wonder if there was some artistic vision here that got pulled back a little bit. That absolutely feels... I think that's maybe one of it also, is, like, the fact that it's here at all makes me think that there's... that it's going to make some proclamation because it it got into the game in any capacity, right? So it's like, oh, man, if they got this in at all, then, like, there's clearly a reason for it. And for to but never almost, see that, it's It's like, almost cool that it doesn't. I mean, it's certainly yeah. novel that it doesn't. It doesn't just turn it into smacking in your face. That is absolutely true. Um... And instead, I guess it does leave you leave you a little bit more with that. Yep, this is existing near-ish the world of 2020 to 2023, right? Like, yeah, I th- I think the plot was also really like clearly the criticism of 2015's plot being too over the top, which I really like, and I hope that's what I said in our podcast. Although I think I was very frustrated with the mechanics of that game. I like I loved that, but this is way more toned back in a way that feels like honestly probably just the right at least the level that most of the fandom wanted. Yeah. So can we talk about like all right, we talked about I guess the world building piece of it and the other stuff that's happening around it, but 
did you care about the actual plot? The, like, triple cross, essentially, I guess? The, your partner fucks you over, then you're going to get revenge on them, then the person that's helping you get revenge fucks you over, and then you get back with your original partner to then fuck that person over. I was like, okay. Are you talking about the cheerful girl that was placing bets against you both being the, the what, the triple cross? Yeah, because she's like, hey, we're going to make money together, right? And she's, like, rallying with you and as your first, like, kind of friend at the beginning of the game after, was it Jazz? What was her name? Yaz. Yaz, um, like, turns on you. Um, I thought it was cool. I, I don't think whatever the heck her name was was ever played as a serious, like, she was definitely that archetype of, like, I'm going to do whatever's best for me. And like, even in her phone calls and stuff, your character was like, clearly like a little wary of her. Yeah. So I didn't even feel like that was a betrayal. It was just kind of an eye roll. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I thought fair. it was a really effective plot. Like, <laughs> like just enough grounding framework to get you kind of the, the skeleton of the game structure. I, I mean, I guess I wish for more like, I understand Yaz was like, it has a hard time trusting people, but like a little more depth there would have been good. But like it was just the perfect amount to really set up the structure without complicating it like Need for Speed 2015 probably would have done with a ton of plot threads and other things. I don't it's, know. What did you think of it? Do you ever meet Alec, like the person, I guess, financing a bunch of this stuff? No, I don't think you do. Maybe you see him in the garage at some point. Okay. This I is a like, very good hole to poke. Yeah. Who the fuck yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Those are some of the areas, and I, I am not the one that's going to stand here and be like, "Oh, I'm, I'm upset about the plot." Like, it was a thing, and by the nature of me playing the game and listening to podcasts or other music, like, I definitely missed random like phone calls that were happening while you're driving around that I'm sure is filling in some of the plot stories. So, yeah, this is not the hill for me to die on, but it was a. To your point, it was like eye rolly, and then it was like, all right, well, this is kind of cool that Yaz and and player are uh, re like finding where their differences are and being like, hey, like you can doing something bad doesn't make you bad forever, right? Was kind of like the high yeah. level takeaway, and I was like, all right, yep, that's a good enough thing to hang your hat on. Yeah, I think it was earnest and authentic enough without being over the top. I I think the performances were all fucking great. I know a lot of people were like, oh, it's cringy. Like, Rydell is like too much of an old man talking to the youth kind of thing. But like, I feel like it was all like exactly the right level of cheese and seriousness. And the performances like for that tone that was set out by the script, I think were really good. I, um, I, I, I don't disagree actually. The, the cheesiness level was enough to make me smile, and that's good enough for yeah. me. Especially at the end when right, I was like, do you have the need for, uh... oh, man, the need for, <laughs> God, what what is the thing that we have a need? Oh, man, what? Uh, <laughs> you're going to do great, kid. Oh, shit, speed. You have the need yeah, for like speed. That... I was like, all right, I'm I, sure. I feel like you know the game's tone works when you, like, genuinely smile and laugh at that, like, yeah. uh, which I did. Like, it's I, like, fuck yeah, dude. I laughed at that, and then... um one of my other like favorite moments happened in like the final scene in the garage where they're talking and they're like, well, what happens if we don't win? And then she, like the, it was either Yaz or the player just like, you know, it'll be about family and a 
backyard barbecue and <laughs> is that we'll a, end is, up, is yeah, that a fucking and, Fast and Furious reference? Oh, absolutely. And then they're like, and we'll just do the same thing over and over again, like seven, eight, or nine times. And that's what it will be. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. I was like, that's yes, great. that is that is exactly the level of jokes. Like, I wanted to see more of that personality, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I, it's, yeah. I, I, uh, I think it was great. Like, I think like so many other, despite kind of the tone of what we might be saying, like, it's just the right level of game, it feels like. Yeah. Which I think is kind of what EA was shooting for. If that, like, put something conservative out there, change direction later, make sure the studio is stabilized theory is correct. Yeah. Like, I'm it, sure no one wanted to make, like, a like a 7 or 8 out of 10 game, but, like, it feels like everything kind of lined up and made it really solidly that. And to the, I mean, the first 30 minutes of our conversation, right, of the the things that we weren't stoked on all being things that, like, with a little bit of tuning end yeah. up becoming something special right so yeah if that's where you end up leaving yourself and you're like all right we left the game with yeah we have a couple of changes that we make here there the world there's some stuff that happens and you've you've really set yourself up to to make this man what's the the like assassin's creed to assassin's creed 2 almost which yeah is weird to think about in a game that's like yeah 25 25 games deep and you're like oh we're gonna make a fundamental shift but it's like yeah it could be a launching point and that's cool to see i don't think if you were an executive at ea i don't think it's clear that like finishing these games to that extent really results in a meaningful difference in sales especially in this genre i would be even more curious now with them owning codemasters and codemasters puts out like consistently great games but like none of those always end up in the like crazy list, right? So, yeah. Do they look at that and they're like, "All right, how do you budget, market, release, continue to make a profit on these games and set our expectations where they need to be?" Yeah, I would love to like make a safe space for a former exec to like talk to me for just ten minutes about like, yeah, how do you decide? I mean, I guess this is true across the whole industry, right? Like, how do you? what kind of things are you thinking about when you decide to like pull the plug early on a project? Like how do you decide when things are finished? Is it literally just fiscal stuff? Is it like, do you have a read on the studio? Like how does that whole process work? I think is one of the like mysteries of game design. Yeah. I think we need to talk about ASAP Rocky in this game. Cause it's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I would love I, to, I, I don't even know. <laughs> Man, I don't even know where to start with this one. What is he doing in this game? Like, it's cool that he's here. I yep. I okay. would assume he likes cars in real life. I, I like the idea that someone pitched him in this game. He likes spinners. He, the, a way to diffuse exhaust from cars in his view, which I'm not sure that was true. Maybe. <laughs> but the way he shows up in the game is just fucking strange. And like... It's kind of uh, like yeah. the like the the way the like the the political messages in the game go. Like it's cool that he's here. It's really interesting and distinct and unique. Like it's a I don't know that much about hip hop, but the way he kind of like discusses his identity and is kind of vulnerable seems like unique in the hip hop world in general. Maybe that's different now. Maybe there's much more access to people's like vulnerable side. But yeah, it's just very strange. I don't. How would you describe how he shows up in this game? I guess to start. I, I think one place that is very curious about how he shows up is 
he's he is ASAP Rocky. Like yes, it's not. Point. Yeah, he's not playing some not other playing character. character. Like he like shows up and they're like, oh shit, ASAP. Like yeah, <laughs> it's like why is this famous rapper just like hanging out in the Boop. city? And he's here, uh, yeah. in like the street club, and it's not. It's also not like he's. Like, why is he not the one that's like funding the pool or something, right? Like, yeah, why, he has, like no. If he dr- was Alec, that would be a lot more, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd have to make him into like an actual character at that point, but instead, it's like he's just like around, and then at the end of some special events, he's like, "Yeah, you're killing it, kid," and I'm like, "Thanks, ASAP." And Glad you pick him here. up at one point during the game, and he gives a monologue, and then he's that in the credits, and that's the it. Best event of the game, in my opinion. It's so so. What is it? It's like at the <laughs> end of week two, or maybe the middle of week three. It's sometime in week three. Yeah, it's definitely in week three because it was at a point where I'm like, I don't know if I even care to keep going, and then it was the next event, and I was like, What? I just got like a four minute podcast of ASAP Rocky just talking to me while I drove him around the city. I was like, What the fuck is happening? It's so weird it <laughs> i don't like it's well, not really that weird a, a character that's in the game talks to you like honestly that shouldn't be that weird but i cannot for the life of me think of anything like it in all of games i mean he also he talks he doesn't talk to player he talks to you the player right that is weird so he's like referencing like the vulnerability of fame and things of that nature and like capacity that doesn't feel like he's really lecturing the person like that's driving the game instead it's like no i'm just going to talk about life and give uh some uh spread some wisdom for anyone that's playing this game actually and has and the things he talks about have nothing to do with racing either they're just like you know about he seems to be a really humble cool kind of guy that's thoughtful it's but really cool the, but but the presentation of it makes him seem almost like self-centered yeah. Especially in the credits where it's like 17 minutes of him just talking, seemingly <laughs> excerpted from a conversation that he had with the developers, just like cut and chunked into just a monologue that's 17 minutes long. It's so weird. And even though all the content is like really human and like about recognizing all people and their struggles, it's really neat stuff. I, did you feel like it was just sort of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like self-aggrandizing? I... Somehow it never crested into that. Um, there is a bit of it where you hear, like, he somehow strikes the tone of, like, rich person complaining about being rich um, kind of scenario, right? Where it's like, yeah, hey, I'm famous and rich and wealthy, but that doesn't mean I don't deal with, like, self-doubt and uh, fear of failure and what happens when I do fail and how do I move past that? And he's talking about these things, and you're like, wait, what? Um yeah, and, and specifically in his monologue at the end of the game, which clearly it just it such such felt like they just someone left a mic on the table and they're like, "Hey man, just like how are you feeling?" And then he just talks for twenty minutes and he's like talking yeah. about Kendrick Lamar and future and people that are like Kendrick's not a real artist and he's like, "Fuck that!" I'm like, "But what does this have to do with anything?" He's like, um, "Trust fund people have problems too, even like a Donald Trump, like." Yeah, I don't yeah. remember the last time I heard a AAA game mention Trump's name. Uh, that's absolutely true. Well, I mean, the, yeah, and to be fair, I guess dropping that in the credits of ASAP kind of going off on a on a tangent of some sort is a, a 
thing. It's it's um, the least meaningful place it could be, but the fact that it's there is like shocking to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it would be so easy to cut that out, and they didn't, which is something. It true. Um, although they do censor him on curse words, which I was like, only fucker, mother. Yeah, oh, why? Yeah, <laughs> is, is it is it? Yeah, I don't. I have questions about that. <laughs> I don't want to like shit on it. I think it's cool. I think the message about like rich people have problems too is not a very often heard one. Um, it's not present like that is such a sensitive topic that it feels like it needs to be. We usually think of it as it needs to be presented in like a perfect way. And it's, I don't think it's presented perfectly, but it feels human. It does feel human. That is true. Which to your point, I like that's, that is something contributed to the game, but it is weird that he's in the game. Like it's, it's still so weird. so weird. Who approached who? Did he like uh, tweet at EA saying, "Yo, you want a rapper in the next game?" Like I, 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 if that's the case, this almost all makes more sense. You're not wrong, actually. Um, but like, I doubt I'm, that's how it. Well, no, that has to be. I, how does this even happen? Um. There is something. Can you imagine that... a bunch of white British people, like nerdy in a video game studio, <laughs> like hanging out with ASAP and trying to figure out? I just ah. like, ah, it's so f- interesting. So, it did say that EA asked ASAP to be part of its racing game, and that's wild. <laughs> when did that? Who did this? Who thought of it? Who conceived it? Man, I can't fucking imagine. Can you imagine being in one of the studios and being like, I got an idea. And having it go all the way up to the executive level. I, I mean, it's really cool. It's just so weird. It's it's also... I don't know. If, if you don't play this game, it doesn't. It probably doesn't sound like that big of a deal, especially considering he only shows up twice, but it is very strange. It's it's so weird. Um, I think the other piece about it is... Like, I don't know. It didn't... Somehow it doesn't come off as like we approach like the token rapper to have like hip hop leave like lend some yes credence which, to our street game right like Greg it, it here's our new opening question oh boy if you were a hella white executive that knew just enough about underground hip hop culture to have a stereotype as to what rapper should be in your street culture video game who would you pick Ti wow okay. Now, yeah. all right, I'm going to hit you back with another question. All what right. racing game series would be the most likely to have TI in it? Because I don't think it's Need for Speed, apparently. Oh, man. Well, it would have been Need for Speed in, like, the aughts. Like, he literally had a song called yeah. 24s. Um, Wait, um, I don't get it. What was 24s about? 24 like and Um, The 24th installment in the Need for Speed franchise? No, no, like back in like underground when it was like all about oh, like you mean, pimping out your yeah. rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I feel like Midnight man. Club. Yeah, Midnight Club is probably where he would have ended up being. Like now I'm, yeah. Although given Who? where Rockstar, yeah, I don't know, where Rockstar went with having fucking Moody Man in, in a club. They, That's true. I guess would have gotten someone hyper legit if we actually moved... Yeah, they, they bring back Midnight Club in 2024 and it's fucking, I don't even, who... Who would be actually the coolest underground rapper to have in a video game? Man, I'm also like, let me be very clear. Ti is not an underground rapper. Um, no, I mean, this so. is like the rapper that the like hip hop heads would want, like yeah. deep underground. Oh man, like like I feel Moody Man is to electronic music. That is oh, this is a great question actually. Is wouldn't it like pitch your dream street racing game? Man, um. 
I mean, like, it would have been, like, drop uh, like, MF Doom, like, would have been ridiculous. Oh yeah, that would have been amazing. Been so absurd, because it's, like, he's always Dude, obscured anyways. Dude, we could anyways, tell ChatGPT like, to make games, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that, um... Sorry, what, what were you, for your, your thoughts there? No, MF Doom would have been, like, just ridiculous. Um... I'll t- I I would like MF Doom, and I would also like a Snoop Dogg racing game. Actually, I want EA to do oh, a Snoop Dogg Snoop racing Dog. game. Yeah, how does that not already exist? It's it's not going to be like underground legit, but I think see, I bet that would sell gangbusters. I also I would say ASAP Rock as well would be the other one. Um, it would be so good if the twenty sixth game was Need for Speed Rebound that, with ASAP <laughs> Rock. ASAP, <laughs> sorry. Just, yeah, just like, wrong, just yeah. like to get truly JRPG name confusing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, um, I am still curious. Like, I still am curious what the pitch internally was, and like, was this a Me thing too. of like we need? Was this is this really a marketing ploy? Like, is that yeah, what was it this, was? Was like was, we was need this like mandated diversity measures? Like, yeah, did they re- which is to say, like, did they really? Was this coming from a place of good intent, I guess, is a good way to say that question? It feels like it's honored within the game so. in some capacity that it's not, yeah. like, belittled, right? And they gave him, like, a literally a live microphone, so... Yeah, um, absolutely. And I don't think it that... would be in bad faith. I feel like people like Rocky would probably be able to sniff out pretty quick if it was, you know... Yeah. Hella it... corporate or whatnot. Although, to your point, though, like, it doesn't meaningfully contribute like really anything to the actual game it which... doesn't but it doesn't take anything away That's it's kind of like right. the like the identity stuff in the game like it doesn't addition there's by this pressure to like yeah there's this pressure to like what does it add and it's like it doesn't really need to add anything it's not like it's a burden by being there it's just kind of background flavor that i think we're conditioned to thinking needs to have a reason because this stuff is kind of weighty yeah like, I, I wonder if, I, I guess what part of what struck me is like, why don't we see this more often? Like a cameo from famous people in games. Like, is this what's happening in Fortnite? I mean, that's absolutely what's happening in Fortnite. Like I was going to say, I think cameo, yeah, I like can challenge that one right off the bat. Because if Great. you look at another EA game, right? Star Wars, Jedi, Fallen Order, and, and the next one, uh Survivor. Oh yeah, this would make sense. It's a, yeah, like okay. the main character there is played by uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but a, an, a known actor, and it's well, his face and all that sort of thing, right? It's not him, like well, just that, doing mocap. I, I don't think that's what makes ASAP showing up in Need for Speed interesting. I don't think that's actually directly related because that's the same thing. Oh, you that, think that it needs to be like a cameo of them showing up as themselves? That that's what I think. I'm more surprised doesn't happen. Yeah, but, but I guess like racing games, are the only genre chill enough where that actually. No, that's not true. Okay, I was gonna say Death Stranding is an example similar to the Star Wars one, right, with Norman Reedus in the game, but it's not as him. I I guess more of what I'm thinking about is like Conan O'Brien showing yeah, up in Death Stranding. Conan O'Brien and Death Stranding is one of those. Um, the didn't they like add like Dave Batista into Gears of War as like a multiplayer character or something? I feel like that's where you Boy, ended up getting that's it, a deep I, cut. Is that a thing? <laughs> it, if it wasn't a thing, then it was a thing that was desired. Um, Gears of War 5. 
He really wants to be in the movie. Wait. Wait. No, that you're thinking of how he tried to cast himself as Marcus Venus for the Netflix adaptation. Okay, but he wasn't actually playable in, in any of the Gears of War games. As far as um, I can tell. Okay. Well, um, damn, I, I like the worldview where that did exist. That uh, sounds way better, yeah. I don't, I mean, you ask a good question. What was the original pitch? Like, ASAP yeah. Rocky is in this game as a character sometimes, and then it kind of worked its way up to, like, he speaks openly to the player about his experience. I could see that being kind of the case if... You didn't really know ASAP as a person very well, and when he got into the studio, he was kind of more prone to like philosophical monologues. Then you're like, we gotta like, this is the guy we got. We should like put him authentically in the game. Yeah, I'm still. I don't know. I'm just like I'm so curious that if if that holistically, even at the beginning, like when when did this occur? <laughs> like. During the development, you think this could period, have been half right? of a game, and then he just injected himself. I mean, I think this could have been within the last like six months of development. That, I mean, considering what he actually is in the game, that is really true, huh? Yeah, like I, I could, would love to read like a studio biography at this time. Yeah, it's just one of those places where, because of how he shows up, the recording, the dialogue, right? There's clearly not a large lift of things that he had to go and record and things of that nature that it makes me curious if they looked at it as a as a marketing push more so than anything of like, we need someone to be an ambassador for the brand right now. And this is like a, a good way to make double use of it. Like we get like some cred. We also get someone famous on the outside that can bring awareness to this without us having to do a big marketing push and present it to the culture. I'm curious if, did ASAP push this himself on, like, his personal Instagram or whatnot? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, he he was out there, like, he did an interview with Rolling Stone about, like, him being in it. So he clearly, it wasn't like they just dropped this and then he was just silent about it. There, the NFS wiki has a little section for when people hunted through the subtitling string database in the game. Yeah. There are two lines... No problem, I'll tell ASAP Rocky you don't want to get behind the wheel of his Mercedes. And don't get worried about it, kid. We're getting worried. Rocky thought you drove off with his whip. Oh, so it what? looks like there was a possibility to like steal his car at one point, which sort of suggests that maybe he was the antagonist. And then huh. there were um, objectives, complete ASAP Rocky's racer SOS and completed ASAP Rocky's racer SOS, which suggests that like, he, he was kind of in the game in that way, too. Yeah, as someone that... I mean, that one just feels like they just shifted the mission, right? As opposed to yeah. it being an SOS, it was like, go pick him up. Because um, he... I think he calls you, right? Like, hey, I need a ride, or like, I want I want to see your driving kid, or something like that, and then that kicks off the mission. Yes. It is interesting about... I thought you were going to get his whip after driving it. Like, I definitely thought that that might be a play there, and then I was like, oh, no damn you get it at the end of the game right i don't know i didn't not like it you would know i suck yeah <laughs> um Thanks, bud. i have it so i think it must be from the end of the game if you don't have it have it okay that makes sense he's one of the car horn voices i think he is one of the car horn voices i think i remember well, seeing or hearing that's that fucking great another thing like i don't even know how to use the car horns so I don't either. Why would okay. you ever? I guess online you would use them. I answered that oh, question. Okay. 
That's fair. The online oh. stuff is kind of interesting. You can complete like story collectible objectives. It would have been cool to hop online with you, but like, meh. I honestly didn't even know how to get to the online components. It was at the main menu. Yeah, but I never, like, you never see the main menu. Well, okay, Mr. Immediate Suspend and Resume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Some of us have to boot games. Yeah, I was like, I think I saw the main menu like twice or three times maybe um, through the entire time playing this, which I guess maybe I should I should be playing more of a variety. Yeah. 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 When yeah. you're in a Need for Speed game, it's best to just get to the end and move on. Yeah, that is true. Which reminds me, thank you for recording this immediately after you repeatedly failed the final event in the game. I was so I, angry. <laughs> one tiny nitpick that I would fix in like a patch is like, yo, you got to warn us that the final event uses all your car classes. Because there was definitely a panic moment of like, oh shit, I have to start with like, wasn't it a B class? It's like, fuck, did I have any of those that I didn't upgrade out of B class? Uh, it It does warn you because it's one of the requirements to get into the finish is like you have to have a class you have to have a class vehicle in all four of the classes did it only warn you that because you didn't or did i just miss that you probably just missed it in the ui it's just like they're filled in as green bubbles if you have the vehicle so i assume when you were getting close to the event it probably just you just saw that it was like oh i just it's all green great i can continue on yeah, and then I guess connecting that with the fact that, okay, I'm probably going to have to use all those cars in each of the events probably would have been smart of me. Yeah, well, maybe. Which is, yeah, truly the the best and worst part of where I was at since apparently all of my lower tier cars were great because I won all those races like going away and then my S plus tier car, not great. But say la vie. I come away from this game positively despite our gripes and grievances. I do too. I, wow. I, I I have to say that I there's some like truly unforgivable misgivings, and I really think that the AI is fundamentally broken in a way that is hostile to the user experience. And in that same breath, I also say that it's swinging in such interesting ways to try and create. Uh, risk and reward in a racing game and in a genre that has become almost exclusively about either collecting or power fantasies that I commend it and celebrate it for doing that. Yeah, I am right there with you. I think, yeah, I, I wonder how many of those AI flaws have been there going way back. It's like really just about the car you choose. And I guess we didn't speculate on what some game design solutions to that could have been. I mean, like letting, letting you have a place drive to test with, cars seems yeah. good. But like, like, how far do you go down that route? Do you let you fully like kit out a car? Because really it's like, is this car going to be drivable with all upgrades? That's my question. And it would be a little crazy if they let you sandbox that. I mean, that does feel, that specifically feels extreme to go to that level. But I think it does make sense to um, allow you to have some level of capacity there. Yeah, totally. Well, any final uh, thoughts? No, I think I kind of summarized my my feelings on it. I I'm glad that we had an opportunity to talk it out because the way that I would have left my experience at Need for Speed would have been mostly of man, this thing truly missed the mark in the gameplay perspective in a way that is more or less irredeemable. And through our conversation, I appreciate kind of seeing that the swings they went for even if not fully paid off, were worth the journey. 
Yeah, I think that's a really great way to say it. I totally agree and a great way to conclude. Cheers. Thanks, man. I appreciate the conversation. Yeah, you too. Until next time. Bye.